<laughs> Hold on. Let me hear. No, you better stop. <laughs> Touche. This is, Touche. You know, take two. We had a metronome in the background. Not I'm the sorry, worst I thing. downloaded the new garage band. Right. It's a step too far from my technological prowess. Right. But, we've done, but you clicked and here we are. Yeah. Um, now we're using the rhythm method. Today. <laughs> we are using the rhythm method today. I've used the rhythm method my entire life, and I can happily say I am been I am mother free to this day. All right, we need, I need to talk about this. <laughs> Not mother free, Mo- motherhood free. <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're hearing that voice, and you're like, I know that voice, also because you read it when you clicked Scott Lowell, but Scott. Famous Scott Lowell is here! Oh my god! And this has been like famous since the since podcast one. You have because I've been a fan of because you have been a fan. (laughs) I will unarguably say the biggest fan of Touche, and I have appreciated from the get go. From the get go, we did our first podcast, and you right away were like this. Told me so many things and were so I had helpful notes. and supportive. What it an was annoying great. fan! I got some what notes. Are you talking about? It's great. I have some I notes. notes. <laughs> Did I give you? I, no- I gave you notes. notes. I think I gave you notes. Did you? I don't know. She didn't share them with she me. Share. I would have incorporated them. <laughs> she just incorporated. They just wait. They just, I don't. I don't. I feel like I we had this that. long phone call. Right, but we talked about like podcasting and what we like yes. liked about it. Yes. I think. If you mind, if you mind, if I feel like I hung up on like, oh, I gave her notes. What was I? What was I doing? I didn't take it that way. All right, good. I didn't take that. I I thought. And you didn't take the notes either. So (laughs) here we are, Jeff. Here we are. Season two. Still shit in the mouth. Anyway, I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. So excited. Thank you. When did we meet? When did we? Was it BT? It was BTF. Yes, summer 2006. What? <clears throat> I've known you since 2006? 13 years. <gasps> really? You were, just, you were a wee little slip of a thing. Oh <laughs> my god. Not fan you are now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said I was your biggest fan. So. I, so I, I think I was a tiny little slip of a thing. Um, We did... The Heidi Chronicles. Yes, we did. At the Berkshire Theater Festival. At the Berkshire Berkshire Theater Theater Festival. Festival. Wow. And I played a multitude of characters. Brilliantly. I did. Yeah. Um, I just my wife. You weren't you? Oh, I was your pregnant wife. At one point in time, yeah. Right. I was your pregnant wife, and it was. And I I just remember the character. I just whenever I talked to Heidi, I would go, Heidi. (laughs) 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 Whenever I said I would just go, (gasps) (gasps) I would take an inhale, pause, and then go. It was. It was like. It was ridiculous. It was like uh, Holly Hunter with a respiratory. Problem. Yes, yes. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Basically. Oh my gosh, I remember yeah. that. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was you, it was fun. me, Kate Jennings Grant. That's yes. why I met Kate Jennings Grant. Tom Story. You two were great. Tom Story. Oh, it was Pat good. Pat Buckley, Laura Heisler. Laura Heisler, Pat Buckley. Great cast. That was a great cast. And you were my my first kind of taking in Jen Harris was I was very <laughs> nervous coming in because it was You were? Yes, I was very nervous because I had it had been a few years since I had done a play because I was just coming off of doing Queers Folk. Okay. And it was part I'd had this evil plan to start in the summers coming back east and doing 
theater to try to kind of get my toe in the door in New York because I wanted to do more stuff back here because I'd never, I grew up in Connecticut, but I went right to Chicago after college. So oh, I just, right. I all my theater stuff was all Chicago. I had never really worked in New York. And just, the, yeah. I think Chicago theater always seems more admirable. Feels like I, people who really want to do the work. I, I love it. I'm very incredible. proud of it. And I, I, I consider myself a Chicago actor, which I'm really <laughs> proud of. But I kind of, for family reasons and other reasons, I kind of always wanted to do something in New York. So this was, this was the first step in my evil plan. And the, the part came to me as just a straight offer because I just was on TV at that time. And that had never happened before either okay. where I hadn't auditioned for something. And you know, you go through the audition it. process yeah. and you kind of build the role a little bit. So by the time first rehearsal comes around, you're at least a little comfortable with it. Right. And Are I you really... given, you've given your chops out and maybe yes. you've even gotten a piece of direction from the director. Yes. So you, you put the voice out there. You put a little voice to a name. Yes. Right. And in this case, I didn't know. I just wasn't sure I could play. I was. He was unlike anybody I had played, at least in a very long time, that character, Scoop. And, right. and for many other reasons, I was really nervous. And you all were so brilliant. I was really intimidated by... Because I grew up and all through Chicago and all through my 20 years in L.A., I read the New York Times every morning. Mm-hmm. Arts and Leisure section is the first thing I read every day. So some of these names I knew from being all the... Yeah. Like, A-list of off-Broadway and off... So I knew the names. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to fit in. So I was really yeah. nervous. And even the first dress... Uh, the first read-through, I remember, I went off because you all kind of knew each other, too. And I didn't know any of you. Are they all always... I didn't you know, know, they all I, know each I other. I didn't know anyone. You didn't? Going into the, I knew not I felt like everybody knew everyone. That. And I just remember going off to this little sushi bar in Barrington and having sushi by myself and kind of like... <laughs> oh my God. Crying sadly. Like, I'm just... It was like first day of school. Just bad. <laughs> oh, like no, I got no one to nervous. eat with. Oh, and I was nervous God. and sad. And the first day, I remember we got up on our feet and I was doing a scene and you were kind of sitting oh, in the audience section. And I was... We were doing something. I was running something with Kate. And I just heard... From in the audience here, I just heard, genius, <laughs> genius, genius. No, and that sounds like me. That sounds exactly. Like <laughs> and I don't want to. I don't want to disparage I know, your she performance, said, <laughs> but she also did that in the Mr. Bean movie. <laughs> I don't care. Wait, it, wait. <laughs> it was genius. It made me feel so good. And it really was like the first thing of like, that's oh, crazy. I'm going to be okay. So that's what oh, I did my first thing. Oh, listen, I don't, I've, I'm a very, I, I have very gut and immediate reactions and they're all straight <laughs> from the insides and they I couldn't are. fake them if I tried. There's no editor between She's here and faker. here. No, nope. no, no. There's it, no, it and he out. pointed to his brain yes. and then his mouth, which yes. is very generous. Of yeah. <laughs> But so that was my first, wow. like, really taking in Jen Harris, who's this <laughs> child with Tourette's, but Tourette's yep. that I love. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you it's kind a of Tourette's. It's yeah, a very kind, it's a very supportive Tourette's. <laughs> but anyway, there's our history. That's accurate. Yeah. Wow. So, and you two have never met. I don't think so. I Christ. feel I, I was trying to remember if I, I know I praised. Jeff, after I saw Silence, I, I don't know, say, but I, know I don't know if I silence. actually got to meet you. Might have skedaddled before I could throw the praise on you. But that was the first time I saw I you. Was a skedaddler. You were you skedaddled. <laughs> when did you see it? Did you see it? I saw it with at PS one twenty two or Theater eighty. It was. It must have been Theater eighty if I was in theater it. Theater eighty. It was Theater eighty, 
It was yeah. in previews, I believe. Oh, yes, I remember. It might have been one of your last previews. You came really early, right? Yes, because I was in town and had to see it, and it was amazing. Yeah, it was great. Yes, but you were so good in that. and I, hmm. So I, I feel like I sang your praises, but I might have just sang them to James. <laughs> Thanks, I think so. But so, no, I don't think we've ever actually met Matt. Yeah, well, I've just, just been well, a fan. Welcome to my home. Thank <laughs> you very much. So you, so sh- did you go to college? Did you go to Northwestern? No, I went to Connecticut College in New London, Connecticut, oh. and I also then spent a semester at the O'Neill. Because oh, they were affiliated with Connecticut College. When you do the Playwrights Conference, they used to put you in the dorms at Connecticut College. Because huh. uh, there's a whole right, right. Like accreditation affiliation with, Why, what do they do with now? the O'Neill. Now they have, well, they still put some people there, but oh. they, they've built actual housing <laughs> oh, the on, on right. the O'Neill campus now, so you can actually live oh, there. Right. Kind of like how BU has an affiliation with the Huntington Theater. Yes, exactly right. Right. I didn't know that about Connecticut. I didn't know yes. that. That's a good, that's a solid connection. That's a great connection. So most of most of the camels in the theater department. Right. <laughs> Stop. The worst mascot. The least intimidating mascot. The camels? The camels. Yeah, it's so sad. Are you serious? We're the Connecticut College camels. Yes. Isn't there another one rather... that's like a banana There's slug? There's the banana slug out in California. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I would rather be an... I'd rather be like an inanimate object, like than, than, a camel. than a camel. And the costume was just the saddest, Are like moth-riddled, you know, with the hump kind of thing, and the <laughs> giant camel head. It was so. How sad. do you get ex- How you do you don't. get revved up you to don't. do a sporting event? If you're with a the camel. camels coming out, maybe you don't go to Kinetic College to a, do sports. You don't really. It's not a big sports school, which is what I kind of like. Right. About. Their hockey team, their women's basketball was really it's good. good. And their hockey team. Bless. I would suggest, I mean, I hate to break tradition. Yes. Um, and make them purchase new, you know, costumes. But I, I, I will say um, they should think about changing it. I, 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 I'm I would better with the, with the camels than with, like, the Atlanta Braves or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Or the true. Washington yeah. Redskins. This is like, well, the Washington I mean, Right. There's something honorable about a camel, I suppose. <laughs> right. And he doesn't, yeah. need, he doesn't need a lot of water during right, the game. Right, right, right. So, there's a lot of endurance issues <laughs> with the camel. You're right, you're right, you're right. We need to stop hating on camels. Yes. But wait, but, so, so what made you choose there? Did you know you want to be an actor? Jeff, and, uh, yes, I did know. Since 12, I knew I you wanted did. to be an oh, actor. Oh, really? What happened at 12? 12... I my best friend at the time, Timmy Litton. Yeah, <laughs> I love him. Was taking a acting class or something in downtown New Haven. The twelve year old love it. As a twelve year old, and he wanted me to go with him, so he yeah. had a friend there, and I took this class. It was taught by Tony Giamatti, who is the mother of Paul and Marcus mm-hmm. Giamatti, wife of A. Bartlett Giamatti, wow. who was the president of Yale at the time. But she taught this class. <laughs> And I, 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 I was just the best. I just clicked in right away. And then that summer, I played the French horn Great. throughout, you know, of up until you did. I th- through high school. And so that summer, I went to Interlochen Music Camp in Michigan, oh. which is very intense. But I did and my first play there, very prestigious. I played Rip Van Winkle after he woke up, you know, 20 years later when he was like, and- I word, everybody. I played, and I was just hooked. So that, that was all wow. in. In the year of twelve, and I said, "This is what I want to do." So, so okay, at Interlochen, they would let you do theater they, in addition to music. Like you, yes, like they had they had some theater there as well too, which is kind of hard to believe because it's a little bit like a 
prisoner of war camp there. They make, I mean, it's summertime. Right. You have to wear a uniform. At the time, you right. had to wear, boys had to wear blue corduroys. Incredible. Uh, a white dress summer. shirt and like a different colored sweater for right. whatever age group you were in. The women, girls, had to wear corduroy blue, no, knickers. Oh. With different colored knee socks, depending on their age. Actually, I'm oh, into it's that. Cute. I'm into that. Um, I wonder if Jack, because Jack Ferber and Reed Varnley from, you know, uh, dance and stuff, mm-hmm. they both went to interlocking. Did they? Did I you? wonder if they were uniform time. Ask them. Well, I will. And it was really intense, just the the competitive right. nature of it. You were, I mean, every week, if you moved up to first chair in band or an orchestra, Every week you could be challenged. There was just, you were just, Great. it was really tough. So yeah, it's odd that you had time to just go fun, have fun and be in a play there, but they did have theater and that was my favorite part. Oh, that's great. So, so yeah, then, so since then I knew. So I picked Connecticut College. I mean, so many of my, so much of my life is just dumb luck of where I ended up. My sister was going there and the day I visited the campus was really sunny and nice. I got into Vassar too, right. but when I visited there, it was really gray and rainy the day uh, I visited. Isn't it funny? Yeah, Those stupid wild. things that inform your decision, but I loved, I mean, Con College, there were six theater majors in my graduating class, oh, wow. so it was really small, but the, the teachers, the faculty were great. Morris Karnofsky, who was part of the group theater. I studied with him for three years That's when great. he was in his 90s, but he was amazing. And then going to the O'Neill for a semester as well, right. which was super, it was like going to grad school for a semester. And so, yeah. And so, then, oh, sorry. Was it all focused on like hardcore theater theater? like Which which part? Like not musicals. or No, yes. They actually didn't do musicals. And all through high school, mm-hmm. that's mostly what I did. So it actually, musicals kind of went away for me. And, yeah. and they still have, and I, I've kind of lost the muscle for them. But I used that used to be all I did. And Same. coming and coming down to New York all the time as a kid, yeah. I mean, I went a longer story, but when I was about twelve, around that same age, these two sisters in my town in Woodbridge, Connecticut, were killed on their bicycles, and they were about my age and my sister's age. Was a hit and run. They were killed, and it was the first time death kind of came into my consciousness. And I was very uncomfortable with it. <laughs> and all the songs on the radio at that time, like Seasons in the Sun and right. Wildfire, there was all these 70s songs that were all about death and people <laughs> dying, and they freaked me out. So I, I didn't listen to the radio from about that time until I could drive a car, and all I ended up listening to, so it's a wonder I was on a gay TV show, I just listened to show tunes for <laughs> like all wow. my early teenage years. With Sondheim, I became obsessed with Sondheim, all these kind of things. So it was such a part of my life. And then when I got to college, it just was almost verboten. Like we just didn't do musicals there. Right. right. And it was mostly what I liked about the college is that it was a very literary based major. Hmm. So, much more so even than practical, I think. So you really got, you read German theater, you read French theater, you right. read Restoration Comedy. You really studied and knew you intellectually the all styles. these different right. things, which which for me is great. I love, I mean, I'm... You're I'm, an intellectual. I know I'm intellectual, you are. so I like that kind of stuff. And then what was the decision to go to Chicago? Dumb luck. Again, a friend of mine from Khan, who was a year ahead of me, people he had met at the O'Neill most of them had gone, were going to Vassar. They were starting a theater company in Chicago. So this was 1985. And they, were want, they wanted to be the new Steppenwolf. Right. So, you know, Steppenwolf started in a church basement in Highland Park. We were going to work in a, 
JCC in Deerfield. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they needed an extra guy. And my friend Tony Ward, who's an actor here in New York now, and an amazing actor, he said, hey, I've done all these plays with my buddy Scott. He'd be great. So the summer before my senior year of college, I went out and joined them starting this theater company. Great. Oh, wow. And I, you were doing it. I was doing yeah. it. And I just, and I'd never thought of I was New York was all I knew. Right. I'd never thought of Chicago. And I went out and I just fell in love with it. And That's I great. can remember... Specifically, I, we went somehow. We got invited to a final dress rehearsal. Steppenwolf was doing this musical, this Tom Waits musical called Frank's Wild Years, oh, Jesus. that he wrote and was in. Oh and God. we got invited to the final dress rehearsal. And it was the weirdest show I'd ever no seen. Shit. But the audience was like biker gangs. It was right. uptown kind of Chicagoy kind of people. The blend of people in that audience was so extreme. And everyone was just there together, taking in this extraordinary... I mean, I still right. think about this show. It was extraordinary. And the music, you know, it's on all his albums. He put out a bunch of albums that have all that music on it. And it was incredible. And I was just like, what is this place? You just do stuff and people come. And, and, I, and I just right. was hooked. So that's why. So I went to my senior year of college and I came back out to rejoin the theater company. And by that time... They were all exhausted from having tried to keep the theater company right. going the year yeah, I was like, gone. Oh and God, I came out with all these scripts under my arm, like, hey guys, come on. Let's, let's go. And I put together, we're going to do it. I got this evening of John Guare, one act we're going to do. It's going to be amazing. Christ. And they were like, you do it, kid. We're tired. Right, right. And the company ended up folding soon after that. But there was Tony Ward was in it. Hope Davis was in our theater oh, wow. company. Jeez. Her then husband, Ford, Tim Licata. Uh, yeah, a bunch of great, great people. But. Yeah, it folded, in, so I just had to kind of start doing on my own. And for the decade I was there, I just kind of went from show to show to show to show. And you just and I learned better by doing. I didn't want to go to grad school, and I yes. just you were there for ten years. I was yeah. there for ten years. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. So, can you support yourself being an actor in Chicago? Yes, you can. I mean, the first five years or so, four or five years, you I mean, you have to have a day job, but you don't. The cost of living is so low there right. that you don't uh, have to work 80 hours a week. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, you're not paying, so you're working your, your day job is... and you're going and doing a play. And then also there's a difference there. It's very different than New York in that you have to be very careful when you join the union in Chicago, or at least uh. you, this used to be the case, because there's only a handful of union houses. Right. And if they don't know you well enough, if, they ha- if, if you're not going to work steadily enough there and you join the union, you can't go and do all that cool, really rock and roll theater stuff that's right. going on in the storefront theater anymore. I don't think it's... I don't... I don't think it's like that anymore. I think they've changed the code yeah. a bit, so you can do like you can I be an, a union actor in some of those non-union theaters. I do think so, and I think a lot of those <clears throat> theaters too have also kind of changed or yeah. like gone away. A lot of them have. Yeah. The ones that were there when I right. was there absolutely I think so. did. But well, you could so you so you would have to have a day job. But then once you joined the union, yeah, right? I mean, you could do okay. Plus, because there's it's a headquarters for commercials, industrial films, because there's so many corporations headquartered there, voiceover, things like that. So all that stuff you can do on the side to keep yourself going. But That's great. So for the last, like, once I joined Equity, uh, which I did with um, the original production of Picasso at Le Panagile at Steppenwolf, I went in oh. as a replacement. That's and got, I felt How like that was, that was a good... That was a good uh, a good way to go <laughs> to get in. That's a great... Yeah, that's a great way in, isn't but, it? But, yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah, you just... 
and you know, and you're in your 20s too, so you right. kind of doing the job and then rehearsing all night and doing the, fun, that play right. for 25 bucks a week. You, you don't care. You're just doing it. Right. Yeah. And and it's different here too in that again, at least at the time, if your show gets bad reviews you're still going to do the run of the show. So you're still going to learn from it. Sometimes you're doing it for four people a night, but you're still like doing it and working it right. and whatnot. You don't have to shut it down because you just can't afford to keep it running. Right. So, Interesting. It, yeah. So was, and then is queer, when Queer as Folk came around, is that what then took you out of Chicago? And no. Took you to no, I moved to Los Angeles. Why? How did you make that choice? Um, th- three reasons. One, the winters just were really it's, depressing. I mean, they're brutal. They're yeah. brutal. And they just, and ten, ten of them were, they just got to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, because it's a wonderfully small community there in Chicago, and I was just back recently and talking to friends of mine who are still there, and it sounds like it's still kind of the same where there's an A team and there's a B team and there's a C team and it's really hard to move once you've been put into mm-hmm. one of those teams. And I was on the B team, and I was comfortable. It was fine. But I wouldn't really get jobs unless the yeah. guys on the A team were busy or doing something else or not interested. Or die. Or die. <laughs> <laughs> or die. Or die. So People die. I kind of was just getting... I was wow, getting... That's yes, that was crazy. I know. She went really dark <laughs> there. This is going to be the Halloween special. I kind of, so I was getting frustrated work-wise, and then there was a very unhealthy relationship with a, a woman who is where I understand addiction and the dark sides of addiction, where I just needed to get away. Mm-hmm. So those three reasons drove me to L.A., mostly for the weather, I would say. Mm-hmm. And also because, and I hadn't really thought of doing TV. I was such a theater snob. I really didn't wasn't interested in film or TV stuff. But I started to get interested in it, and... I went out to Los Angeles in November of 97 to visit and see what it was like. And I remember it was a few days before Thanksgiving and I was on a beach in Malibu in my shorts and a t-shirt and it was great. And I went back to Chicago and it got off the plane and the wind just slapped me across the face. And I said, I'm done. So I moved out January of 98 and then things just hit really quickly for me there in a way they weren't in Chicago. And I think it was just commercial markets were changing where it had gone prior to my moving out there commercials were these super character guys talking really fast <laughs> these weird crazy commercials and it was just shifting into this kind of guy next door <laughs> right. kind of commercial thing more normcore normcore kind more. of stuff and i got a commercial agent and the first thing i went out on i booked and i ended up oh doing God. like 12 national spots my first year there <laughs> wait and <laughs> What? I did 12 national. And I, and and more than. That doesn't make. I know. That's not real, listeners. That's not real. (laughs) Now this is, now this is Scott's story. I'm going to let him have it. I'm going to let him have his story. We're not saying it's not true. We're just saying it's not real. Listen, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm sure he has the tax documents to prove it, uh, which I will have him email me. um, I'm not saying they all ran Jen Harris. But I I just, I want to just let you all know this is not real. 12 in a year. That's not Real. I'm it's not crazy. saying that's not true, but it is it's, not, that's not real. real. It is unreal. And <laughs> for what it did too, because I hadn't, I had done in Chicago just enough. Like I did this one commercial with Michael Jordan. I did like enough to get my union oh my card, God, but Jordan. I didn't like on camera stuff. I didn't know. And in LA, you know, I mean, it's I'm like so commercial directors did, there. So, yes. What? But did what? you meet Michael Jordan? I did. 
Well, you have to tell us. About I will Michael tell. Jordan. All right. So Michael Jordan. So I was a crazy, crazy Bulls fan. Who the fuck wasn't right. during that time? Exactly. You are a monster if you weren't. Absolutely. And I would. I mean, to the point where I literally would not miss a game either by listening to it on the no, radio sir. or I was recording it or whatever. I spent an entire therapy session talking about the difference between the Bulls and the Knicks and what they represented as far as good versus evil to me. Um, I mean, right. so it was a part of my... <laughs> and I'm not a sports guy at all. Yeah. It, was, yeah, and, it doesn't and, matter. And, doesn't I can't, matter. and I can't get into, well, the, the one position and the, tri- yeah, and no. the guard... It was the soap opera of it these was a, it was guys. A, it was a spiritual time. It was a it spiritual was a time. Spiritual time and, in sports. And that sport specifically, because it's just guys in short pants and tank you don't tops. Have to tell me. You know, like they're not hidden by helmets and things. Like you, who, no, you get who they are. You get personalities, and it's all about ensemble. How do they blend Honey, as an yes. ensemble? Okay, yes? so but Michael Jordan. Jeff is we can get into it. I'm, like, I'm trying to be like, all right. If you said you had done a commercial with Angela Lansbury, I probably would. Have fair, 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 fair. So, so wait, so wait, so wait. Yes. What was he? So this is all just to say that the guy was like, I feel like I saw him every day. Sure. So when he, when it's you like shoot, a star. It's a famous person. When you shoot a commercial with him, oh thank you. When you shoot a commercial with him, he has a guy because you only get him for. Two hours max. So you need to maximize your time. So there's a guy who I called Fakel, Fake Michael. Who, right. Who's and Fakel is his guy who the shape of his head is exactly Michael's shape right. of his head. His body, he wears the exact same suit. Right. So they have to make two costumes, one for Michael, one for right. Fakel. For Fakel. <laughs> and Fakel does all the rehearsals. He does everything. Michael literally shows up, watches the final run through of something goes okay and he steps in and he does it right that's, that's how it works so you can get him in and sure. out quick. this commercial was the first commercial for his jordan brand and they shot it like the hudsucker proxy do you remember the hudsucker proxy I, with, I know the name. with uh um it was a coen brothers film with tim um curry no uh, not susan saran yes yes uh tim Oh, keep going. Anyway. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. So it, but it, so it was made kind of like a 1930s, 40s kind of thing, you know, where they, with right. almost like the zoot suit kind of thing and the brimmed hat and right. and everyone walk around talking very quickly and very, right. very, very 20s, kind of, very Dick Tracy kind of thing. And so I played Tim Robbins. Robbins. Thank you. A, it's a great movie. You would love the movie. And I Jennifer Jason Lee it. is in it. You know, I'm she's sure like, I've seen hey, it. Smarty, what are you doing there? You know, it's I'm that, sure I've seen that it. kind of stuff. You could do the stage version. So you did it. So. That was that was the commercial. Was like all these guys, and it was at you know Jordan's CEO company. And so th- the first thing he had to do was he shows up and he's got this like you know one of those old Wall Street ticker tape kind of things, sure. you know. And he's kind of going through it, and we're walking down the, the hallway, and we're just getting notes from him as he's going down. I'm playing right. one of his assistants, and I right. have these these little glasses they put on me, and hi Beverly. And <laughs> so we do all the rehearsals with Fakel. And then Michael steps in, and he stands next to me. And okay. again, I feel like I know him. So I just started making fun of. He's like looking at this his ticker tape thing, and I said, "What are you gonna do with that?" Because he's kind of looking at it quizzically. Right. I said, "Well, what are you gonna do with that?" And he said, he "Just kind of looked at me like, oh, I'll figure right. it out." Right, right. And, and I said, right. oh, "I said, I'm sure you will." He said, "Yeah, yeah, I'll get it." I said, "Okay," and I just kind of kept making fun of him as things went along, and he he looked at me at one point in time and he kept messing up the take. He was supposed to like walk, 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 turn, look back, point to us and say, and make the logo bigger. And he kept putting his hand in front of, between his face and the camera lens. Right. So we would have to do it over again. We have to do it over again. 
And finally, I, you know, we were getting ready for another take, and he was getting a little frustrated. And I said, don't worry, Mike, we got your back. And he kind of looked down at me, and he said, that little nerdy guy with glasses is funny. And then we were good after that. <laughs> and I was like, I love, I was like, I please, I was like said, please insult me some more. I love that you said he looked down at me. He looked down so at me. He's very tall. He's dreamy. That's so he's dreamy. incredible. Yeah. So, anyway. So anyway. So, so you're in I, LA. So I done you that. shot 30 commercials I did 30 commercials in year. And all that, again, <laughs> was to, get to, to get to a point to say, I got all this on. Because commercial directors there are all director directors right, and that's yeah. their day job is doing commercials right, right? so I got all Plus this on camera training that I was getting paid for right. learning all this stuff I didn't never thought about the difference between stage and being on camera and that my eyes especially on camera look like saucers and if I move them it's really distracting and I had to learn you know right. things I needed to focus on technically that I never had thought about right, right. things like that so I was doing all those commercials I was getting bored. I sent out my headshots to all the equity theaters in L.A. I ended up getting cast up at Pasadena Playhouse That's in a great. play my first summer there, which got me my agent, my legit agents. Hmm. And then things just kind of went from there. And I started this thing when I would get out on auditions. This is how long ago it was. I wanted to write, again, from how I was in Chicago. I genuinely was so grateful anytime anyone would audition me for anything. Yeah, I mean, well. And especially if they were nice, that in Chicago, like, you'd send a note or something like that. But I, in L.A., by the time I got there, I kind of figured, well, you know, a postcard or something they could throw out. It might not get to them. So I started sending thank you faxes. I would get their the phone number there, and I would send thank yeah. you faxes to people, oh, wow. to casting directors. What a hustler. Like Jeff. Yeah. And, Smart. And it started building up relationship where they're like oh this guy's nice nice." and they'll kind of and there was a kind of this energy at least at the time i was in my you know early 30s where and there was a different energy and we can get to this later but almost it's a different thing than i've felt since being here for the past couple years in la i felt it was a little more like who's the new guy like hey you know there was kind of an excitement of who's the new guy as opposed to here, where it's a little bit like, who's the new guy? I, <laughs> we don't have I've room. Kind of, yes, we don't have room. We, we've got, we've got your guy. guy. He's been here 20 years. Um, but so there was a little bit of that that started happening, and I got, you know, started doing guest spots on sitcoms and things. I did a movie of the week thing, and then Queer Folk came around my second summer wow. out there. So, like, things just happened very quickly in a way yeah. that they that I can't explain other than it was just right timing. And... Hmm. The, you know, luck is when opportunity meets preparation kind of thing. Where luck I was just, is when opportunity meets preparation. And I was prepared and when it hit. And I just was ready to go because of did, those commercials. You were doing stuff too. like Because a lot of people go out to L.A. and don't send their headshots out to theater places, you know. Or, That's true. Or, or send thank you faxes or, or... I think it's harder to do now too in the yeah, same way. Yeah, I don't... It's, it used to be... Right. It used to be. I think it used to be easier. But you're right. No, yes. I, can I think... Re- reaching out of your own accord used to be a more acceptable thing. Now, maybe because of the internet, because things were so... A lot of casting directors, they say no submission, no mailing, no submissions. You yeah. must have your... Oh, I used to. There's yeah. other ways to get in, right. but... A lot of people do not take mail. They say, do not send your headshot resume. That's right. That's some right. Some do. Some some still do and some don't. But it That's is right. very but different. Have, like actors access and crap like yeah, that. Yeah, there's other ways right. to like go in that are, you know, I know a lot of people who like contact casting directors on Facebook and stuff. They do? Yeah. How does that work for them? I think it kind of, you know, it's like 
sometimes it works and sometimes it right. really doesn't work. Right. I think, you know, and I also think, too, I was just going to say, like, you did the reaching out and the work out there, but you also spent a lot of time studying with the craft, yeah. 10 years in Chicago. Like, yeah. you you had your feet on a, on a ground and a playing field yes. that probably didn't have... Um, uh, an element of desperation under it, as opposed to maybe an element of sort of excitement for the work that was it possible in LA, which can come that comes through. That's in true. A note. And I had had enough advice before I moved out there from people, not my Chicago agent, who <laughs> said to me, uh, "You got a greater chance of getting hit by lightning than having any success out there." But good luck. Um, <laughs> She, she was awesome, but she she's uh, not wrong. She's not wrong, <laughs> but she, but, but she was, but she was, but she was from in, in this case. case. But I, people had told me go out there, build up enough of a nest. I mean, they said you have to have your union card, and you have to have at the time just your SAG card. Sure, at least. you have to have that. Go out with enough money to last you six months that you could survive on, so you can just focus on that. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, so I felt like I had prepared myself and set myself up for enough success there where I didn't, once I got out there, I didn't have to right away look for a day job or, or, right. or anything like that. Right, you were like smart that. about it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, so that helped me out a lot too, I think. That afforded me a little window of time to take chances. And also, you were, <clears throat> like when you say like the new guy from, from out of town who also is an experienced theater actor, yeah. which is... I've been told by many casting people in Los Angeles is a very different kind of actor yes. than a number of actors who live in LA. Not all actors, of course. Many but of my I friends. Will find, or I will say, as someone who had some good theater credits on my resume when I moved to LA, yeah. Yeah. not all the they casting care. directors are all that interesting. No, in that's very true. You're, you're absolutely right. And again, I think it was my good fortune that the ones I met up with, especially... Chicago at the time because I had worked at Steppenwolf because I had worked at the Goodman because right. I worked at the theaters whose names they knew right. they were interested mm. and in fact again and to dumb luck again for Queer as Folk when I went in for that initially the casting director is this amazing casting director Linda Lowy my first meeting with Linda and her associate John Brace was talking to Linda and she saw my Chicago credits and she Asked me, you know, so, oh, you got a lot of great Chicago credits. And you worked, said, well, you worked on Picasso too, huh? Um, she said, well, who, tell me, like, who are some of the actors you, you really like from Chicago? And I said, my number one favorite actor is a guy, not a, pe- a lot of people know him. You know, I don't know if you know him out here. His name is Jeff Perry. He's extraordinary. He's, he's my go-to guy. He, he plays these character roles. He could be a leading man if he wants to. He has such mm. a unique quality to him he played einstein originally in picasso and he did this great job in awake and sing he just i'm just obsessed with him he's amazing she said oh that's so funny because i'm married to jeff (gasps) (laughs) oh my god what are the odds what What are the odds odds? is he nowadays she'd be like you Google. <laughs> exactly yeah, right. yeah. Now that exactly you right. Googled and you did that. This was 2000. Yeah, no we, were not, we were not Googling. Yeah, you weren't Googling. Wow. Back then. How incredible. Yeah. But, you know, there is something to just the way that you describe, you know, when you go into these meetings and people ask you questions, to have like an honest, authentic, 
response that is rooted in the craft mm -hmm. means so much as opposed to so who do you like and you just like I really like this show and she's like so fun you know you you named off things I felt your feet grounded in this person that you yeah. learned you were, it does make a difference when you meet someone who is like you know they are rooted or if they talk about you know anything that they love so much right yeah it's, it makes a difference when you talk to someone absolutely they're, they when i think that's especially in la too it's like oh you're a real artist you're not just right a fame whore and they get, there's a lot of fame whores right there. absolutely there's a lot of fame whores there and i think you know something that's slipped away a little mm. bit now with the glory of self-taping and not getting to be in the room with mm. people quite as much is this element where it's there's also something of who is this person would they right. be cool to work with and right. what's their sensibility and yeah, for me, wherever, I mean, there's there's actors from New York, Bill Raymond, who was with Mabu Minds, these great, you know, to me, it's ensemble actors who, you know, right. th that's who I'm obsessed with. Those were my people who inspired me. And if I can't talk to you about that, then you don't, that's a big part of who I am and what I'm going to be like to work with, you right. know? Yeah. And, and it's a, sh I miss that quite a bit huh. that ability and I think and honestly since things have gone more self-tapey I think in a lot of ways my booking rates have plummeted because I'm mu I am yeah. much better in the room uh -huh. in that way and and always have been I think that was another part of why I did well and initially in in LA as well too is that I that's something I just genuinely brought into the room right right room, yeah. right yeah. Which, which not a lot of people are I think so how many years was now if if everyone's like, they're talking about this queer, what is queers folk? Well, welcome out from under your rock. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was how many seasons? Five. Five seasons on HBO. Showtime. On Showtime. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on Showtime. But and it, didn't it put Showtime on the like map? It, it did. Yeah, it was kind of there. It was one of their first was, original. Yeah, it was their. It was kind of. We said we were their Sopranos. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What was Showtime before Queer as Folk? They had Red Shoe Diaries. Nope. Don't know it. Okay. No, so they were well, this, known as like the Sexy Channel. They were the Sexy Channel. Yeah. What What they were doing at the time. <laughs> That's why I didn't know it. Oh, I didn't I watch the Sexy didn't Channel back then. So what they were doing at that time, I like to say they were taking the Burger King approach. They were Burger King at the time. Oh my God! Was really in the in the basement. Right. Wendy's was kicking their butt. Right. They decided Wendy's at the time. <coughs> bless you. Thank you. They decided at the time to go after niche audiences. Oh. So Burger King was going after a much more urban kind of audience. their commercials. Everything was for like like let's just go after this niche audience and see if we can. And eventually they got back up to number two. And Showtime took the same approached the year that we came out they had a, they had a uh, series version of soul food which was an all african-american right. show they had a show called resurrection boulevard which was an all latino cast and then they had queer as folk which in their mind was going to be this niche lgbtq excuse show. me but god fucking bless you showtime yeah the fuck yeah jerry offsay who was the head of it i mean it was a really bold idea of like well we're you know, HBO was such a behemoth at the time because it was Sopranos, Sex and the City who had just started and just blown wow. up. And they said, well, let's see if we can climb our way back up with this. So of those three, 
the reason we succeeded the most was that the audience more than doubled from what they thought it was going to be because straight women came to the show and they hadn't really counted on that. Right. They thought it was just going to be a niche thing mm-hmm. and it kind of expanded much, much beyond that. What about like... Yeah, don't underestimate. Here you are, you're like a straight actor huh. and... I'm just imagining, what, this was 99, 2000? 2000 when we auditioned. So, like, were you, was there any, like, agents being like, I don't know, we want to do this, this is like, there's going to be sex, and, because, uh, like, the, it was from the beginning, because it was based on the British show. It was right. Like, it's going to be in yes. your face. <laughs> exactly. Buttholes, buttholes right, right. in your face. <laughs> right. That was originally going to be the title for it. Buttholes, buttholes in, in your face. face. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Well, there were, yes, there, you know, and, and Linda Lowy told us this, and the creators of the show, Dan and Ron, talked about this, that there were about 2,000 actors who would not come in and audition oh for the show. Entire agencies, I, bel- I, I don't want to say the name in case I'm wrong, but I, it was the, the agency of our showrunners would not send any of their actors in to audition for the show at oh that my time. Oh, and I, which opened the door to people like us who didn't have, like Randy, just out of school, all of us except for Sharon. Friend and of the pod. Friend Randy of the pod, Harrison. Randy Harrison. All of us except for Sharon Gless and Hal Sparks, who had been on Talk Soup. None of us had any serious experience before. So God bless all those people who said no. But I did. I mean, I got not... My agents didn't want me to take it because of the financials of, this, of the deal, uh, because yeah. Showtime at that time was not... We had to kind of drag them into the modern era of how much you pay your actors for shows, which we did after the second season when we became successful. But prior to that, the, the pay was really terrible. Rel- I mean, relative. I mean, even now. Yes, you know. It's not as good as like network. Yeah, cable money. Exactly. Right. Cable money is still rough. Cable and money. you're not, and the residuals are not set up in the same way, all that right. stuff. So it was not financially a great deal. That's mostly why my agents didn't want me to take it. But I did have other actor friends of mine who said, how many see because we were signed for six six years and they were like that, that's a long time to play gay i don't know in 2000 <laughs> wow. which they said for me my sister's gay i for her i wanted to do it and be I, I don't know i just again i'm i don't think things through all the time sometimes i'm i things work out okay but i just I don't know. I didn't think it was going to be a problem. I didn't. Yeah. And and my guy also, I just felt like, I don't know, there was such a universal quality to him. I didn't think, I don't know, I didn't think it was going to be an issue. And I just was floored by the script. I, I just was shocked by it. And I didn't realize till we got up there to start shooting Canada. how much, in, to Toronto, yeah. how much Showtime was investing in this show, how much they felt mm. this was going to be their Sopranos. I didn't realize that till we got up there and the initial press when that first started and because we were in this little protective bubble where again it was all it was like a theater ensemble That's which great. is why i would love the show we were all up there and we were almost all theater people involved right. in the show and we were just this tight little ensemble that would get together all the time outside of filming we would get together we would talk about the scripts we would work on things we you know we we had a, a meeting we were such nerds we had a meeting like all right what's our set going to be like how do we what Shut do we, up. What, I do we love it. what do we want the tone of our set to be like Shut how up. are we going to treat people and i spoke about oh, how cool. i i had done this episode of frasier where they you know they'd been doing that show for so long at that point in time but it felt like doing an entire run of a play in a week with them and how they treated it. when i said I, I want our set to be like that where everyone is welcomed and 
you treat them not that they're against they are an equal part right we all are equal parts to each other this is an ensemble show all that kind of attitude we brought to it which i think helped so much because it was so buttholes in your face (laughs) you know all the time that you know even the more sort of feel comfortable yes because you're so vulnerable and these poor you know these wonderful but poor you know toronto guest actors who are coming on the show invariably you know a lot of them it's their first time on a series and their first day on a set is like hey what's your name billy great come on over here all right so you're gonna be blowing scott in the corner over (laughs) here and and the sex scene always came first it seemed like so you have to make them feel comfortable and yeah. be like, dude, I'm so sorry. But yeah, I, it's okay. I, I've washed really well. Everything is good. <laughs> Whatever you got to say just right, to make them laugh right. and like take. And and we were no, like people loved coming to work on our show. The crew, again, I can't imagine doing it in Los Angeles. Our crew for all five years were just, I mean, they're all Teamsters, but they were so supportive. They're Canadian. Wow. So they were yeah. so supportive. <laughs> for our first Christmas party where we showed them finally the, the pilot, which was the first three episodes, we had a screening of the pilot and people were crying and like transport guys were like dancing with other transport. Like every, it was just such a great, beautiful, open <laughs> right. thing that we, we got really lucky filming up there. Yeah. So maybe this is a, maybe this is a, a bad question. I don't know. I'm going to ask it. There are no bad questions. Right. So they were you, you um, people were like I don't know maybe don't play gay for that long. Do you feel like it was bad that you played gay for that long? I don't. I don't know that I can blame any of my failings in my career <laughs> on that I played a gay character. I I don't I I don't I don't know. But I I don't know behind the scenes what was going on. Right. I think. If anything, it's more the graphic nature of the show might have harmed things. I don't know that it was because the characters were gay. I, huh. you know, I there were definitely things I had to say no to because it was play another gay character, play another, you know, like that's okay. all the stuff that was coming my way. Sure. Like afterwards. what happens to a lot of people. Like what happens, yeah, if you run a show, if you play a doctor or if you play a killer, like, oh God, you know, like right. you get that kind of pigeonholing kind of thing, but. Beverly, do not step on that keyboard. Yeah, I am really. watching. Hi, Beverly. <laughs> we love Such you. A we love you, Such Beverly. A sweet <laughs> Saw those Sorry. eyes. No, no, no. I, so she's, sweet. she's demanding. I speak exactly. She indeed, indeed, <laughs> she deserves it all the time. So I, I don't know. There may have been an element. The, I do remember there was one com- a commercial campaign that I had been involved in prior to shooting. Queers folk for a rental car company, and while we were shooting the show, they decided to do a couple more, uh-huh. and I was not invited uh. to be a part of those. And I kind of suspect, and I kind of spoke up about it at the time. That's the only incident I I even had a hint of that maybe the nature of the show was keeping me from being cast in something else. But if anything, I. You know, I, I feel like it's helped me in some ways. Although, look, and again, going to pigeonholing, there was, I went to meet with, there was a head of casting for one of the major networks who my manager was trying to get me a meeting with. And this guy who, who was a homosexual gentleman uh-huh. he would not meet with me, would not meet with me, would not meet with me. And my manager finally asked him, why, why? Yeah, why, why don't you meet with him? And he's like, I just, I know him, I know him. I just, I know, I find him really arrogant, and I just don't, I, don't, I just don't like the guy. I'm sorry, I just don't like him. 
And my manager said, like, what are, you, what are you talking about? I said, yeah, I just, you know, I've seen him on the show, and I just I find him really arrogant. So, <laughs> you mean the character he's playing Catholic. as yes. an actor, So she idiot. sent him my reel, and he went, oh, he's great. Yeah, all right, send him. And he, said, and he told me, he said, I said, I'm so sorry. Oh. I just, I'm so used to thinking that usually when we cast people on a series, it's much easier to cast people who are their characters. Right than to have to worry that they're going to have to act it for right. an extended period <laughs> right, of time. Right. So I just am used to thinking when I see someone, if they're that way on a show, they must be that way in real life. And I saw your work you're like, and, or and you're I'm amazing an actor. and you have great range. Yeah. So this, so that happened. Right. Jesus. Can you imagine? But <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. That, that was a shocker to me. So I don't think it harmed me too much. Huh. And if anything, I think, you know, the show, and I'm sure Randy has spoken to you about this as well, too. The show never became part of the showbiz zeitgeist right. after the initial blast of it. It became kind of a guilty pleasure. Mm. You know, even the later on head of Showtime, Bob Greenblatt, said, like, yeah, this is our Beverly Hills 90210. Jesus. That's kind of how they viewed it as this kind of goofy, kind of fun, kind of soap opera thing. It didn't become... Those were not didn't the become, at all. No, exactly. I mean, we were dealing with some hardcore. We were dealing with crystal meth addiction before. We were dealing with bug chasers. We were dealing with some pretty hardcore topics well before anybody was. But that's, you know, that's how it was viewed. And so we didn't get to be six feet under. We didn't get right. to be that kind of uh, show within the industry. So afterwards, it was very challenging for any of us. It was more like we'd all been gone for five years and people mm. within the industry casting-wise didn't really know us as well mm. as we hoped they would. Mm. The name of the show had some weight to like, oh, we know he's been on a series, but they didn't really know our work as well as we had hoped. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's, that's where the show, if anything, cost us somewhat, is right. that it ended up being in the industry a niche show, if not in the, in the world at large. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. So what do you do when you and a series after five years with your career. You're financially probably pretty good. I was really, I was, I'm Jewish, so I've learned to be good with my money. Incredible. And I, yes, I did very well. I mean, I put, a, put away a lot. So, yeah, you just kind of look for the things that aren't what you just did. And you say no to things. And it's probably the point in my career where maybe I was the most difficult to represent because I was just saying no to a lot of stuff because I felt like this is the only time I've ever had this power mm. to say no. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. and I did. And it's when I started focusing on doing more, trying to do more theater. And again, against my agents, that's the stuff my agents protested against. When I would go off to do theater, they would get really mad at me. Because right, they don't, I'm sure you know, like they don't like you to leave LA you right. know, to, right. go, to go do theater somewhere. But I said I have to. And I bet in LA they really don't like it. They really like don't like it. In New York, it. I feel like they're a little bit they're more like, tired. All right, all right. Of course. Because they're like, well, maybe it'll come back. Right, right. <laughs> right, right, is right. That more, is that just for out-of-town stuff? or? Yeah, they don't like yeah, it when you leave town. No. Yeah, yeah. I they mean, don't. you probably already know that, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> they do not like it when you leave but, town. But I feel like here, well, especially if it's something original where they're like, well, maybe... You know, you should, yeah, maybe you'll go do this at the Guthrie and it'll come back to me. Right, 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 right. right. It'll be a original, big hit. If yes. it's original piece, sure, go yeah. do it. Yeah, right. but they don't want you to do... A revival of <laughs> Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. Yeah, no. Picnic. Yes. Picnic. <laughs> yeah. In whatever, Ohio. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, so that's mostly, I think, what I focused on trying to do that. I started writing more um, with my, my best friend, Eddie. We started writing stuff together. 
Yeah, I tried to use whatever quote unquote free time I had to try to branch out into other areas. Not always successfully, but right. I had I had to do it. And then eventually it started leading to I mean I just did I just did all the guest star because again, like right around that time, around two thousand five, things started shifting again and when you get yeah. into two thousand eight and when the economy crashed and the whole nature of things and, you know, movie stars moving into TV where they never right. did before. And this whole kind and like of that's also middle, done to TV what it's done to TV is kind of, you know, squished down the middle class kind of working class actors, which I was, you know, because I was on a cable series. I wasn't on a network series right, for five right. years. So I'm still like making a middle class living for the most part. And... So now, you know, whereas you used to come off a series and maybe you'd get a, a series lead right after that. You no, know, now all I can really get is guest stars. And the people who used to get guest stars, you know, sometimes they're getting bumped down to, co- you know, right. everything started compacting down a little right. bit around that time. So I just mostly was doing guest stars on all, you know, every cop thing there was. <laughs> um, and occasionally, like, I got this great recurring role on Bones, which was mm-hmm. this super charactery, passive aggressive. That's great. Forensic podiatrist from Canada, whose who's right Can arm whose right arm was paralyzed because he was had been so upset by something Bones had said. And so occasionally, like those things came around where you got these great character roles to really throw yourself into. But mostly, you're playing a lawyer, you know, the guy who you don't think is the bad guy, but then he's the bad guy, and uh, you just you just kind of keep going and find other things to do to really feed your creative soul right again like writing and doing theater so that's mostly what i focused on and um and because i'm i've never been particularly ambitious i think in a way i would never you know i there's certainly things i could have done to be more proactive Hmm. i think well i wonder what those would be i don't know I couldn't think because of them. it's interesting because I yeah, think I, I could be wrong, but I uh, I'll make a generalization. Um, I think sometimes we think I would say just mm-hmm. myself, but I'm going to include my friends present in the room and many of many of the, the company I keep. We think of ourselves as non proactive. Mm-hmm. Yet if you step out, if you if if you looked at me, I can tell you right now, you would never think that I am not proactive. Right. Yeah. Neither of you would say, and I feel incredibly unproactive, that there are right. tons of things that I could be doing to help my career. And I would say that the, the hustler that was sending thank you faxes. It just doesn't, yeah, you know, I mean, that's, and, that's I, true. And, that's I, true. and both present in this room when they lived in L.A., yes. both were, can I just take a moment? I'm just going to take a moment because it's really gotten a, a lot of you on this podcast. Yes, and I know you're enough. on gossip, let's bring it enough. back to me. Thank you, please. Um, that's a famous Amanda Duarte statement. Let's bring it back to me. I feel like the focus is leaving me. Um, when I visited LA for some stints of time and you two were both living there, may I just publicly thank you both for opening up your homes to me? Because not everyone did. Really? Yes, I told you. You know. Jeff knows. You, know, I famously stayed with you and then moved to Jeff because I'm like, I can't keep staying with Scott. I need to give him space. And then moved back to you to be like, I got to give Jeff space. I can't. So, like famously went back and forth between the kindness of you both. So I just want to publicly thank you for hosting me for pleasure. free. And they didn't charge me a goddamn thing. 
Wow. So thank you because you, I don't have the money. Um, <laughs> but I, it's funny because, you know, and I stayed with you. I mean, you're incredibly proactive and you were writing. No, you were talking about writing. You were writing Adoptable. I maybe was writing Your web series. You were yeah. writing. You're like, oh, I'm writing a web series, which is been out for two years now. It's been three. out. We finished it three years about ago. three years ago. Right. But it's been only really out to the general public since earlier this year. It's fantastic. It's on what? YouTube, right? No, it's on Amazon Prime oh, that's now what I'm watching, and right. on the Binge Network. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's Thank you very much. And this is um, a show you wrote based on your own experience. Yes. And, but I kind of, I will just say I do. So you can go check out Adoptable, yes. Scott's show on Amazon Please Prime. Do. Amazon and Prime. Binge? Rate us if you like it. And the Binge Network. The Binge Network. Do rate. Yeah. But I was rewatching <laughs> the right. teaser, and I was like, "What was Do so?" Right. I and Linda Park, Linda Park, who graduated with me in my class, Boston University. Did class, I know that she was in my class? Wow. Um, same class. Um, she she graduated with me, Matt. Um, it's really well written and fun as hell. Your like you. premise of it's just fantastic. Thank you very much. It's not your run of the mill web series, ladies, gentlemen, and other. No, it's got I, it's it's she's crafted. She's really crafted. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of you know I wrote it not thinking I was going to have to be the producer of it. Oh, right. <laughs> well, so well. I wrote in a parade scene and I wrote in a scene on a jet plane and all these Incredible. things and I love it. And then I got Think stuck big. having to figure out how we actually right. we're taking the this. plane out. Yes, no, it's in there. There's, we found ways to make it How'd work. How'd you get a fucking jet plane? I got a jet plane and I got a parade, girl. Now, wait a I minute. I saw the parade in the, the trailer. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <clears throat> so, producer Jen is asking, yes. producer Scott, how yes. the hell did you get a jet plane? That's who you know. By the way. That's who you know. I think we can put to table the, can I'm we, not proactive. Yeah, can <laughs> we stop? Yeah, can we stop right now? Well, I guess I mean in terms of that, that... You know, there's a very dear friend of, of Randy's and Arm from our show, Peter Page, who was is the model for what I would consider diversifying your career and okay. looking looking ahead to saying to seeing, especially as you age, it gets more challenging to be an actor in the business and the opportunities. Unless you hit it really big, right. it's it's just more challenging. And Peter, even while we were filming our show, and again, he's much more of a writing technician. Then I am. He's one of those people who you go to a movie with, and when you're talking about it after, he's like, "Oh God, I was just sobbing through the whole thing," and he'd be saying, "Well, you know, the first act had some problems, and then I thought, you know, halfway through the second act, I thought they could have transitioned." Is know. he a director? Well, he now is a director, showrunner. Uh-huh. He's had uh, a series Peter called Hitch The Fosters. Is a showrunner? Yeah. Oh my God. A series Wait. called The Fosters that was on. Oh wow! Yeah, he, he created that show. He's showing her that, and now wow. it's spin off Good Trouble. And he's off in Chicago directing a film now as well, wow. too. Yeah, so he's kind of morphed into this big exec producer, showrunner, scriptwriter wow. kind of guy. Yeah. That's so cool. Very cool. And he's, his shows are amazing. I wow. watch them even though they're mostly for teenagers. But they're, gr- they're <laughs> great. Right, right, They're right. really, really good. I'm very well, proud of them. Just to put so, to bed, yes. it's just, you just knew someone with a jet plane. <laughs> no, well, I do know someone with a jet plane, but he had lost them at that point in time. I it's through. God, I hate when I lose a plane. Th- right? Don't you, you know, hate it when you have to give you up can't the plane because you lose that that huge lawsuit? So it was just through 
asking around. Right. And right. we found somebody who had, like, knew someone, like, yeah, I know this guy, and he has a plane, and he keeps it docked down in Long Beach. And Got it. you have to pay, you know, there has to be, Insurance. legally, there has right. to be a pilot there, even if it's not taking off, so you have to pay the pilot a day. So it was so like, you did. It was like 800 bucks to, to, pay, to pay for the pilot to sit there. Oh. And we just shot in the plane and then made it like you know like star trek made it seem like it was moving right and like great got it okay and then added in sound See, things effects are doable. So things that. seem huge but then you break them down and things are doable the, par- got it. the parade scene and again because we we ended up losing half our budget for anyone looking to raise money through you know the indiegogo right, or right. This, the big lesson I or kickstarter make sure you run your campaign in january if you can because I ran mine in October, oh. A, stupidly while I was in previews for Elephant Man here in New right. York. Bad timing, but also because when the money came in in November, you only have till the end of the year to spend it or they tax it as income. Oh, right. Oh, God. So you have a full calendar so year to spend it. So you should run it in January. So if you run it early in January, then you have that full year to, to spend it, where as long as the money comes in ah, in one calendar year and goes out in that calendar year, it's a wash. That's such an important thing to learn. Yeah, oh, I did right, not right, know right. that. And it may be something, if you have my accountant is maybe a little more aggressive than some, but he's like, let's not take any chances. Yeah. Let's, you know, you need to pay him. So I ended up losing a big chunk of my what I had raised. So when it came to the parade scene, I really didn't know what I was going to do. Just close-ups. I had a... Exactly. Super (laughs) close-ups. We had a possibility of going to this little town in northern... This mining town in northern California that a friend of mine's mom and dad lived up there. And they were well-placed and... And well we could placed. get we could get permits for nothing, and right. I, I called the local middle school to see and talked to the music director to see if their marching band would be. I, I kind of set it up, but it still was going to be a lot to bring the cast up there uh-huh. and the equipment uh-huh. and put people up. And the day before we were going to start shooting, one of my friends who came on to help me as a producer said, "Oh God, I was just at dinner two nights ago, and I sat next to this guy yep. who runs a parade in East Pasadena called the Doodah Parade. Stop. And it's kind of the anti-Rose Bowl parade. Shut up. And anybody can be in the parade. It costs $10 Shut to up. be in the parade. And I'll talk to him, but I bet we could just ride in the parade. So $10 Shut to be in the parade. The I, rent, I rented two cars for 35 bucks each. And... You know, and pay, they had pay all for the, the extras curve. and everything. All the extras. So there. eighty bucks and some food for everyone. Yeah. So under three hundred, under three hundred dollars. Oh crazy. my god! But, but, again, because you're, the actors were all working deferred payment. Your friend Linda Park and another actress in the show, Emily Swallow. I called them up. I said, "Okay, guys, we have a parade. It's awesome." They had to be in the crowd of the parade. One of them had a baby shower to go right. to that day. One right. Like, they both couldn't do it. Right. I'm like, what am I going to do? Do I write them out of the scene? What are I was driving. Yes, you I do. saw a banner. I was driving to take Gertie on a hike in Elysian <laughs> Park, and I saw a banner in Echo Gertie's Park saying, dark. Echo Park Holiday Parade, the weekend after. So we shot their scenes in the crowd Shut of one up. parade, and we shot the rest of it. So Shut up. two parades become one parade, and so you do it is, for... So your damn eyes are open. Yeah. Damn eyes. Your yes. damn eyes are you open. You have to. You when know, you as need, a producer, yes, you have when to. You're, like, this when is what you, you need do. things, and your you, eyes are just open. Yes. I don't know. Maybe you're not Peter Page, but you sound like you're up there. <laughs> this, you know, and I mean, this is all to, to go back to... Who know? I mean, I understand what you're saying when there's some people you're just like, they have that sort of grab it energy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a different, there's an energy of like proactivity and knowing the business and going after it. And then there's another energy that is kind of like, I'm grabbing it that mm-hmm. I don't 
quite have that I don't know if we quite have. And sometimes manifestors, right? Yeah, not only but, manifest, but like. But do you guys find that in this in in the work begets work kind of thing? Do you think even is it a coincidence that since you started even just doing this project, it seems like you both have had flourishings from from this? Yes. Not necessarily that come directly from this, but from the process of being organized enough to get this done, even with a four-month break now and then. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. something in doing stuff that there's, opens you up to. Yes, I mean, I think there's something to... There's always something just very basic to just showing up that changes something in me. Whether it's, you know, like like showing up you want to be there but you you still have to like show up and then the second you're there you're like oh my god this is great there's that there's that sort of little like, dial that gets turned up mm -hmm. there's um just something to asking people having being in a space where you're asking someone questions and learning learning about being a host mm -hmm. that didn't and know I think before what, what you're saying is true i think it's like when you spark the I'm creating, I'm doing stuff, I'm, I'm, you know, making, it makes other things happen. It I think does. work does forget work. Yes, in yeah. that sense. Even, even other than like, oh, I saw you in this thing, so I'm going to cast you in this thing. Right. Right. There's just, you come across as a, as someone who's. You've got something going on, kid. Yeah. yeah. Something about that kid. Yeah, you're doing it. Wait, so we, we're running out of time. So okay. I'm going to ask you about coming to New York. Yes. Because you mentioned it earlier. Yes. And I think that's very interesting just because I've seen what it's like to come from New York to LA. Right. But I have you haven't never come from talked LA to, to anyone who's come from LA to New York. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I came out here mostly to because of my mother who in Connecticut and was having some health issues and she's doing great now. But that was my impetus for coming out. First I thought it was maybe gonna be six months, then it became a lot more open ended. So at first in coming out here I was mostly focused on her. But once I did start getting into the audition scenes here, I it's just been this strange thing where theater-wise, I've had some great opportunities, and almost every time I get called back, and I can sense there's ex there's a little bit of excitement, mm -hmm. and then it just doesn't happen, mm. and and I get this feeling, which again I understand, I I know it from Chicago as well, where there's a bit of a feeling of, you know, when you're here at this age, coming in at at 54, that there's people who've been here 20 years already my age, who everybody here knows, and they've been working and hustling, and they've been grinding it out here and things like that, and they want to go with them, which mm -hmm. I get in a way. And it just feels like there's less... And, and also because I think I'm seen as a TV guy, but not a TV guy who's going to sell enough tickets <laughs> to make it right. worthwhile to them uh -huh. so there's also and i don't have juilliard on my resume and i don't have yale on my resume and things like that i i just have felt there's this bit of a because i, I yeah i don't know i feel like there's a bit of a hesitation huh. because of all those things to welcome me in can you this is sort of a dumb question mm -hmm. but can you do commercials now or are they like, oh no, people are gonna know him from TV or right? No, I yeah, mean I've I've gone I've gone the, out for some. It's Doctor from Bones. Or whatever. <laughs> right? Is it too recognizable? I, I don't know. I don't think that's been the case. I just think commercials now are just a hell of a game, and it's right. it's I just the opportunities I've been open for them. But no, even when I was, <clears throat> I think even I mean I remember going and auditioning and getting called back for 
the Verizon guy years ago, oh you God. know, the Can You Hear Me Now thing. I remember going in for yeah. that, I think even while I was doing Queer as Folk. So I, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. But no, I just I literally have had very few opportunities right. for that because everything is going non-union right now is, yeah. is more right. the case. And it's also a thing where I've... Or it's I'm, union, but... Still only pays you three hundred dollars because it's just on the internet. Exactly, it's just internet use, and some of it for me too is just I'm in a weird phase where I don't know. I still, even though I'm the age I'm at, I don't get dad stuff. I don't mm. get. I don't get the guy in his fifties stuff, but then I'm also not in my forties, so I think they also kind of I don't fit as I did back in my early thirties mm. in LA. I don't fit any particular. Niche. niche right now so how so <clears throat> feeling that you don't feel in a niche right now first of all being aware of that is incredible mm-hmm. i think do you so what do you think like so is the feeling just like on a daily basis like okay well i'm just keep going doing I, my thing i can only do my thing I, I i mean that's all you can ever do you yeah. know is, is just go in and do your thing and do your version of it when the opportunities come up and like i said i mean a lot of what i'm doing is still for back in la and being and putting myself on tape it's a lot of that stuff which works now and then and i don't know things have kind of been shifting recently all of a sudden there's things have opened up a little bit more and i was just in korea shooting a film and and i did a a thing down in new orleans so it's like things all of a sudden are opening up a little bit and maybe the hair has gotten just gray enough or (laughs) because i now i have to sometimes wear glasses maybe that's how i I don't know i mean it's all unknowable right it's unknowable and what is amazing about the conversation is that knowing that it is a business and there are shifts and yes. it doesn't have to do with us. Right. That there's ebbs mm-hmm. and flows and it's not our fault. Right. Just go. That's what I'm getting a nice big takeaway right now from you. Is well, like, it's not also, my fault. Also, I think I still have this idea of like, well, once I get this, right. then I won't have to work hard. No. Right. It's and not never true. No, hard. there's never that time. And if anything, you know, I, I used to say, and I used to go in and have talks with my agents at the time when I was doing the series you know, before, because I've heard you guys talk about, like, I just want to get on that. I just want to be a series lead. Yeah. I just want to be a series lead. And, you know, when that's ahead of you, it's all hope and want, right? Like, everything <laughs> yeah. everything is hope yeah. and want. And then when you get there, all right, you finally get up that one more rung up the right. ladder, right? One more rung. And that's amazing. But now the thing is, you have somewhere to slide down to mm. where you didn't before, right? So it has its own set of worries now. Of like, all right, how do I at least just maintain this level? <laughs> how do I stay on this rung? How do I stay on this rung and not slide back <laughs> that's down? very and, interesting. And that's, you know, that becomes the challenge then. It's more than just, like, how do I get up to the next rung? It's like, how do I just even... Even stay here right and especially as there's been more and more challenges within the industry itself and I could go on my whole Bernie Sanders with the two percent kind of thing going on within the industry of where the majority of jobs are going to you know the top three or four agencies and the rest of us are just kind of fighting right. for the scraps yeah. all that kind of stuff that's yeah, going on sure. it just becomes harder and harder to just maintain <laughs> at that rung and weirdly even though there are more television shows and so there are more opportunities to be on them. There are so many more television shows that you don't see. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so like, yeah, like you might get like 
Well, I was on a TV show for two seasons that literally I've mm. never been recognized right, by anyone in the right. entire time. And I get recognized kind of a lot, but I, never for that. I was just reading a thing in the Times today about this show that, um, is it Elizabeth Olsen is on, on Facebook Watch, written by this woman, Kit, who I knew from the Young Playwrights Festival out in L.A. when we were both on the selection committee for that. She's a wonderful writer, and it's a series that she's created that's on Facebook Watch, and there was a whole thing on... Elizabeth Olsen in this amazing show. I was like, I, how do I, Facebook, what is Facebook? I don't even know what Facebook yeah. Watch is. You know, right. so yes, there's all these things that are getting, like, even those that are getting critical acclaim, I don't know anybody who's ever seen this show. I've never heard it talked about yeah, before. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. You know, right, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And yeah, you can't, the work can never stop. I remember, so my, my buddy Eddie, who was in all, he was in all the Oceans movies, and, you know, he was, like one of us with the entire A-list of Hollywood right. for three films, right? right? And but he got to you know talk to them and ask them questions like that we would ask. And right. he, he asked Matt Damon. I remember talking about Matt Damon, like you know what was the best part of like when Goodwill Hunting came around. He's just like just the fact that I don't have to audition anymore. Like that was it, it yeah. took him until Goodwill Hunting yeah. to get to a point where he didn't have to audition anymore. You know, right. and yeah, you just kind of have to keep going and going until you. Truly, and even then, who knows if when you have enough power to be able to just sit back on right, your Right, if there's a role you really want that they don't think Will right. Hunting can play. Right, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I can. Yes, no, exactly. Yes. Right, <laughs> but we now. all know people who have reached very giant heights, and yep. then they're like, and I'm stuck, you know, with this. with this, or I can't get this because people all think I'm that person from the... Right. 80s films exactly. you know or like what I mean I could go on and on with yes. some like incredibly famous people who are Absolutely. like there's challenges I wish I could do that you know there just are and I think it's so it's such a it's it's really hope it, it brings me hope to think of this to think of what we do as an industry and a business that has its own ebbs and flows that have nothing to do with like fairy tales and me being a good person or being good enough for the role and like working hard like that's all fine and good and great and we should all be doing that but it's a business business. there are ebbs and flows and i'm an adult so treat it and yourself like an adult very well it's a business very well you know so oh we have to ask you oh man okay you know it. As a listener, you might know this. We ask all of our guests between now and a year from now. What's the date? Oh, it's October the... 13th. It's October 13th. It's, oh, it's yes. going to be airing much later, but whatever. October 13th, <laughs> 2020. Oh, God, what a horrible time that'll be. <laughs> so oh, sorry. We're going to be a little tense then. Everyone's going to be a little <laughs> but let's, tense. But let's, that aside. That aside. Well, or maybe it's part. Yeah, what, what's your ideal year look like? All your dreams come true, by the way. All my dreams come true, ideal year. Professionally, I really would like, you know, we're, we're still shopping Adoptable around as a full half hour. I would mm-hmm. love to be making that show Great. because we had so much fun doing it. I would love to have someone buy that show, pay pay for it yep. so we can do the second season that's up in my head and maybe the third season. Totally. That would be the dream, dream thing. I really would like to be working on that and getting everybody back together to do that and write more parts for other great people I'd like to work with. 
<coughs> yes, perhaps. Perhaps there's a podcast that my character goes and visits and chats with. We're <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's still the big dream. And, and I would love to go work on a really fulfilling play. I came very close to doing production of Angels in America, like our dear oh. friend Randy did to play Roy Cohn, and I'm not quite there It would have been yet. the same production? No, it would have been a oh. different production, but the taste Great. of working, I, Randy helped me work on it, and just the taste of working on material like that, I just need to do something like yeah, that. I, I need to work on something like that. So I would love Beyond Adoptable going to, to go do a play somewhere and do that. That would be great. And then find a nice lady here in New York. That would be nice, too, yeah, right? It would be. That would be a good dream. How yeah. long have you been in New York now? It'll be two years coming up. Okay. Almost exactly two years now I've been That's here. That's crazy. Yes. God, why didn't we have you on sooner? I it's thought my that we fault. didn't have... It's I thought we were fault. not having you on because you lived in L.A. <laughs> it's my fault. I, I have no idea. It needed to simmer and season. I, yeah, it needed to simmer and season. Oh, I feel like we have more to say. I feel like there's going to be a... a, a a, a return. <laughs> I think we might need a return because I think there's more for us to sort of dig I in. Well, it's happy good, to come back. It's good too to hear your take on things. To hear, um, I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, you've had this incredibly successful career, you know, and. I don't know why, but I'm finding it comforting to hear you be like, no, it's still a struggle. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Well, no, it's interesting because, you know, in listening to your show and I hear you guys say this all the time and I, and I kind of almost want to say like, it's great to want that. Just know that's not the end all be all. And yeah. that's not where you should look for your level of satisfaction. Your level of satisfaction should come from the individual things you work on right. that give you joy and happiness yeah. and fulfill you artistically because... There are things I've done for free that I've loved doing just as much as things I've made a lot of money on, if not more (laughs) sometimes, you know, that I look back and think that was, oh, I loved that, you know, and the families you form from all these projects, all those kind of things. That's what it's about. The best thing about, you know, that goal you want to achieve of being on a series is is just the security that in my 30 plus years of being an actor, I had five years where I knew where my next paycheck was coming from. And, And like, you know, from the two years of your thing too, that like, just to have that comfort yeah. That's something you want to get back to, right? Yeah. But to know who the crew is, to know who the crew is, to not yes. have to be like, oh, excuse me, who do I talk to? Who's the AD? Yes, exactly right, exactly right. right. That level of comfort from stability—that's yeah. what—that's the best part of that, for sure. Yeah. And knowing that it's the entertainment industry, so it will always go away because yeah. shows will always end. Yes, right. It's all ephemeral, unless you're Mariska Hargitay. Yes, <laughs> then you're in it for <laughs> forever, kids. Yeah, I guess so. so oh. be born to an incredibly famous celebrity. <laughs> we love you so love you both much. Too. Thank, Thank you so much. You I'm on. So much. Thank and you. This is great. My pleasure. Oh my gosh. Touche.